everybody, and welcome to Over the Hump, the podcast that aims to provide you with a dose of midweek motivation to finish your week off strong. I'm your host, Christopher Morgan. Please feel free to call me Chris, and this is episode number 15. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Getting comfortable with discomfort. I truly consider myself blessed to have the opportunity to engage in such great conversations with people from within my network. I know I say this every single week, but every week when I say it, I mean it. This week, we're about to offer you something special. In this episode, we have the opportunity to speak with Ben Lovett. He is the founder of Prehistoria Natural History Center. Apart from being one of the most interesting people I've ever met, Ben approaches his unique museum with the creativity, ambition, and grit of a true entrepreneur. As we know, 2020 has shaken up the financial and consumer landscape in a way that has forced many businesses to close, but Prehistoria still stands. Enjoy the conversation that I have with Ben and also his parrot. All right, excellent. So we're live here at Prehistoria with uh, Ben Lovett. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, this is probably going to be the most interesting guest. You know, I'm, I'm standing actually live right here at Prehistoria, uh, which is a, a museum that has all kinds ah! of things located in the heart of downtown. And I'll, I won't steal the thunder. I'll let Ben ah! tell everybody about it, but... Um, I'm sure you can hear my new best friend in the back. That's a, that's a beautiful parrot that I'm sure Ben will tell you about as well, too. Um, but I felt it was important to have a guest that is doing something so niche, um, just to prove to everybody that as long as you have focus and motivation and you know what you're doing, it can actually amount to something great. So uh, with that said, Ben, if you could actually just introduce yourself to everybody on the podcast here. Hi. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ben Lovett, the founder and head curator of the Prehistoria Museum. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm actually here with my special guest, uh, <laughs> Felon the Macaw. Uh, hopefully he'll be saying a few words and not just a few screams, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So Ben, I guess we'll jump right into it. Um, you know what, I guess what I'll do, maybe I'll just like either grab a couple photos from you or, or snap a couple just so everybody can truly see um, how special what it is that you have ah! here. If you could just let us know, how did you actually get started in all this? Um, so I didn't expect to have a, a large museum when I started. Um, I, I was breeding live animals, doing conservation work, um, and I needed to make a few extra bucks. But if you've already got 200 animals, what, you're going to have 250? <laughs> no, that would just be crazy. So uh, I decided if you'll buy a lizard, you'll buy a dinosaur. And that led me on a path to, to start collecting, buying, and even excavating them myself. Yeah, that's ah! pretty awesome. What, um, what did this start with? What was your first animal? Uh, the first animal I ever had was actually the class pet in grade one. It was a leopard gecko. Okay. Uh, his name was Echo the Gecko. The, the kids got to name it. Um, yeah. And every weekend, a different kid got to take it home, and that different kid was always me. <laughs> so at the end of the year, the teacher's like, just take the damn gecko. <laughs> and ever since then, I've, I've had reptiles, I've had mammals, I've had a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, you know, in terms of starting the business, like, how, how did you actually start? Do you remember what your first ah! step was? Yeah, so um, I was actually at a reptile convention. It's, yeah. it's a real thing, uh, a yeah. building full of weird critters and weirder people. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm walking down the aisle, and there's this booth covered in fossils. There's dinosaur teeth, and there's fish and rocks. And I'm like, 
what's going on here? I need to know more. Like, tell me. And this sweet old guy, his name was uh, Jim Lovasek, was like, I will teach you everything. And he ignored all of these paying customers to tell this excited nerd about every fossil on his table. Um, and I was like, you know what? I need something. I had no money. I was, I, like, poverty line may as well have been the horizon. Yeah. I had a had a hundred bucks to my name, and I'm like, well, sir, I need wholesale. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'll take three things. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me this look like, I know you're up to, kid, but I'll humor you. And sure enough, <laughs> I grabbed those three things. Yeah. I had a dinosaur tooth and a couple fossil fish, and I just went into random tattoo shops downtown with my backpack and said, you want something cool? I got it. And every time I emptied that backpack, I went and I filled it up again. That's absolutely crazy, and I love that because that's a great story about uh, just about hustle and focus, right? Oh, yeah. So what was it like the first time that you walked into your first tattoo parlor and was like, okay, i got to sell this person something just so I can get to the next thing? What, what was the feeling in your gut? Honestly, it was pretty terrifying. Like, yeah. I was an introvert. You, you don't have to really be an extrovert to deal in reptiles, especially on the internet. You're, yeah. You talk to your lizards, they're not judging you. <laughs> but so I was like, well, I got to make some money. I got bills to pay. I, I'd love to eat something than crap dinner this week. So yeah, yeah. I went in there and I'm like, you look pretty cool. I got something even cooler than you are. I got a dinosaur tooth. <laughs> sure enough, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to see it. That is awesome. So how did you even decide that the tattoo shop or the tattoo parlor would be the first place that where you would attempt to sell these things? Well, I just wanted... A different crowd, like an alternative yeah. crowd. I'm like, I've got an alternative product, and yeah, it's a nerdy product, but yeah. how do you walk up to an academic? Like, go into libraries and start poking people? Yeah. I'm like, tattoo artists are out there. There's someone you can just talk to when you walk in. So I'm like, door-to-door salesman, it's worked in the past. Maybe it'll work when you're selling the past. That's actually super fantastic. I love that. You know, I noticed now as well, too, obviously you started everything off um, by yourself. Right? Yeah. And now you kind of like, I'm here, I'm in it. I mean, I walk in and I see the other people that are working here as well, too. So you've established your, your own community. How oh, did you yeah. do that? Uh, so surprisingly, I thought this was going to be a real freak show niche business. Like, I've got my museum, but my retail is Skull Store. I sell yeah. skulls and taxidermy and human brains in jars, like yeah. shrunken heads, the weirdest stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, who the heck is really going to get into this? This isn't a mainstream thing. Yeah. But it turned out there's one universal concept, and that's curiosity. Ah, love that. So, I mean, I've got someone here who was working in the entomology department at the Toronto Zoo. Yeah. They were working with live insects. But I'm yeah. like, well, butterflies in a frame, people will buy that. So yeah. I'm like, I've got a connection for you. That's awesome. You know, I've got, um, I've got a guy who only actually collected true crime and serial killer memorabilia. Wow. But through that... Human bones are a tangible thing you can get from old doctor's estates. And then that opened the door to natural history and humans as a species and archaeology. So I sell a bit of everything, and it seems weird, but it's all gateways into the journeys of our past, of the world's past. That's absolutely fantastic. And I've also seen you, um, you know, interact with your staff members. And obviously we have a mutual friend who's working <laughs> as well, too, that I, uh, that I know extremely well. And I know that, um, you know, it's interesting you were telling me the story about uh, you were learning all of these stories from this one individual. And I mm-hmm. see that you very much so take that and, and kind of, you know, pass on the knowledge as well, too. So how much of your time and what you do do you spend teaching other people and just kind of like spreading the gospel, so yeah. to speak? Well, that's, that's the focus of the work. It's the idea of like uh, conservation, breeding endangered species, but sharing the stories of the planet, getting people excited. Um, we live in a digital age, which is incredible. You have access to the world's knowledge, yeah. but there's no connection to it. Mm-hmm. 
So in a way, you know, you've got the biggest tapestry ever, but it's two-dimensional. Yeah. So I try to find ways with my museum to break that barrier, break the, the fourth wall and be like, yeah, dinosaurs are really cool. It's fun to watch them on the screen. Mm. Here, hold this. This is the tailbone of a velociraptor. Yeah. You know, so it, it makes it so much more real and makes the world a place you want to explore, not just live in. Yeah, that is absolutely fantastic. I love that. Um, so let me just ask you a, a quick personal question. Yeah. So what are your top five favorite things for you personally ah! out of this empire that you built here? Um, well, I mean, the, my T-Rex skeleton has to be up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, guys. It's... I mean, if you, if you uh, you'll probably see it on the Instagram post. But if you're living in the downtown area or anywhere in Toronto, you got to come by and see this thing when the uh, museum is open. It is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's such a small T-Rex. It's, yeah. it's only 32 <laughs> feet long. It's right? just a, basically a teenager, although I wouldn't have wanted to deal with those mood swings. No, so. <laughs> no, not for a second. Yeah, so that's our, our centerpiece, obviously. It's, yeah. it's a pretty good centerpiece. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, in terms of my non-living exhibits, uh, I have an Egyptian child mummy coming in. That's um, which, yeah, it's insane. I didn't even think you could own something like this, but it's coming out of a private museum in the UK that shut down. Mm -hmm. And what better place than our museum? Yes, 100%. So, because a lot of what you deal in are oddities and strange artifacts. This was a person. you got to have a little bit more dignity and respect. Yes. So we're actually trying to build a authentic enough Egyptian tomb mm -hmm. in our museum with the proper Book of the Dead inscriptions and burial goods that this child would have been buried with. Wow. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be next level. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, we've got a, a shrunken head. Like, a, like the tribe used to shrink human heads, which mm -hmm. is super cool. But uh, they actually shrunk sloth heads as well, which is even rarer. If you want something <laughs> weirder than weird. Um, so imagine you're a, a hunter and you, you killed your first person and you want to shrink their head and have your trophy, but you mess it up. Like that's that's a serious mess up. You put a lot of effort and creepiness into that. Yeah. So as a rite of passage, becoming a man, you would hunt a sloth and shrink the head of the sloth. Uh, and if you mess it up, it's okay. But when the uh, the Europeans came, they wanted these human shrunken heads. Who saved their childhood knickknacks? And that's what a yeah. sloth would have been. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. Give me a couple more. Couple more. Well, I do have a saber toothed tiger skull. Actually, he's right there, oh, a couple there meters from us. So cool. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't get much more iconic than that when it comes to prehistoric animals. Yeah. Um, the earliest, actually, that ties into my, my next favorite thing. I have the first tools ever made on Earth what in our evolutionary the? history. Okay, when we're dead, you're going to have to show me this. I will show you. can even hold them. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> 2.2 million years ago in Olduvai Gorge, uh, these little primates, Homo habilis, um, were having a hard time scavenging. Yeah. We were bottom of the food chain. But the rainforest was turning to grassland, and we couldn't get through the dry hides of the animals to gnaw on the meat. Yeah. So we started finding sharp rocks, and when we couldn't, we sharpened them. Okay. It's, it's a simple thing, but it was the first time we changed the world to make our lives better gotcha. instead of changing our physiology. It was the invention of invention, yeah. and it put us on an arms race where we weren't getting eaten by a saber tooth. We were roasting him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We also sell uh, roasted saber tooth here at the museum. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. So, you know, I think building something like this and me just ah! being here and seeing everything yeah. that you've collected, it obviously doesn't come, one, without sacrifice and, and two, without challenge. Yeah. So maybe if you could outline, you know, what would have been kind of like ah! a challenge that you would have faced along mm -hmm. the way to get here? And then what did you do to kind of overcome that? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, the, the number one rule of being an entrepreneur is you got to be all in. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I've been all in. I, I've, I basically haven't really ah. taken a paycheck in the last six, seven years, but wow. I've got six or seven of the coolest cabinets you will ever see. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I built what became literally the, the flagship of an entire industry, and yeah. I started off with 100 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. Um, I'm not joking when I say I was wiping my butt with newspaper to afford <laughs> building this business. <laughs> I was going Great Depression level on this one. <laughs> but, so, it's, if you don't have capital, how do you make capital? Yeah. And... You just got to hustle. I mean, yeah. that 100 bucks turned into 150. Yeah. That's not a lot of money, but 150 can become 250. Yeah. And as long as you put it back in, as long as you grow it, yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting somewhere. Yeah, I think that's, I think you hit so many great points. And I think we live in a time, especially with the advent of social ah! media, and I talk about social media a lot just because I feel like it's, um, not to say that it's sending us on a course to destruction, but I think it truly changes the way that we as humans see ah! the world. Yeah. And I think what it's done is that it allowed us to really connect very quickly. Um, but the other thing is, it's given us a false impression of time, you know? Yeah. And I think when we look at photos of all these really muscular men and women, or, you know, we see these photos of people traveling to luxurious places <laughs> or having fancy cars or all of these things, or even just like photos of your museum, I think the piece that we miss is the story behind it. And the fact that nothing comes overnight and you actually have to work through it. And all of those successful people didn't just wake up one day successful. It was a step by step and sacrifice by sacrifice until you persevere. Yeah. And one thing that's very appropriate with what I do, I mean, selling extinct animals and modern animals and bringing endangered species is evolution. Evolution is the theme of what my business does, but it's the theme of how my business operates. Yeah, nice. If you make a business that's too rigid, you won't survive. Yeah. Like right now, we are in an extinction event. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, well, global warming for actual life, yeah. but in terms of businesses, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. Businesses are either folding en masse or they are powering their way to the top. Yeah. And what's letting them do that? It's how rigid or flexible their business was. Yeah. Some of it's luck, but some of it's adaptation. Mm-hmm. And for us, I mean, I've got probably 30 product lines. Yeah. Some businesses, they would say, some books even say that's one of the dumbest things you can do. Well, you mm-hmm. know what? If I don't sell a single tax amount this month, I don't buy any next month. I buy whatever's sold. Gotcha. I can move. I can liquidate assets. Even my museum collection. I am not registered as a nonprofit because nonprofit is basically owned by the state, everything yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. If I need to, I can liquidate like a quarter of my museum to save the business, you know, just like shave off an arm, like lose a leg yeah, in the yeah. trap, and you can keep going. Yeah. And I'll do whatever it takes to adapt and take opportunities. If you don't take every opportunity that comes to you, guaranteed you've failed them all. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, you hit the nose on the head when you, when you talked about curiosity in the beginning. Because um, I think that's a piece of it as well, too. Just being curious about what those opportunities can be. And then just being willing to give them a shot, right? Oh, and yeah. being nimble, I think, is everything. And all of that is, like, super impressive. Honestly, I'll say it again, guys. If you have the opportunity when this is open, you got to come down and check this out. It is really something, something to see. And obviously, as you can hear, Ben is just, you know, very generous with his knowledge. And he's just a great person to talk to. Great host. Great host. So, Ben, we're going to go into the lightning round, which is really a lightning round. (laughs) Never heard of that before. Um, So, really, I'll ask you these questions, and you're free to answer them in as many or as little words as you say. Okay. Okay? Um, So, the first Ah! question is, uh, the number one thing you do in the morning to set your day up for success? 
that's tough. Okay. So I check my phone first thing I wake up, and yeah. I'm at work before I leave my bed. The beauty of the technology. <laughs> so I would say being willing, you know, in the first hour of the day to shake off negative reviews or bad news. Gotcha. That's important. Don't, don't get yourself beat up before you even started your day. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's great. <laughs> okay. Second question. One word or thing that you would say helps you find the success that you have in your work or life? Courage. Okay. I mean... There's nothing wrong with being terrified, but work through it. Yeah, I love that. And I think, um, you know, the more that I speak to people that I, that I see are successful or really just on to doing ah! something fantastic, it seems that courage is essential, right? And, and the fear is essential as well, too. It's almost like the fear is the indication that you're on to something good, but then you need the courage to actually get there. Yeah. So I love that response. Okay, question number three is a fill in the blank. Life isn't life if you are not... Working your butt off. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish. That's, I'd like to say if you're not balancing, you know, work and pleasure. But as an entrepreneur, I'll get to that pleasure. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, and I'm I'm actually happy that you said that because it hasn't come up just yet. And I, um, or maybe it has, but I'm going to elaborate on it anyway. It's, um, you know, I speak at length to people about the reality of success, and there's, you know, what I like to call the myth of work-life balance. Yeah. I, I truly believe it's a mm -hmm. myth because I don't know anybody that is extremely successful. Like I'm talking at the top of their game that doesn't sacrifice a lot of their time in order to get there. You know, so I don't ah! like to see that whole thing as, as balance. I truly believe that it's, a, it's an equilibrium and it's more of I'm going to put my time in it now to be able to have that payoff later. But that's planning and strategy and it's mostly sacrifice. Yeah, you see the success story but not the stress story. Thank you. Yes. Love that. And the final question. So one habit that you would recommend to drop immediately that would improve the life of others? Take chances. Love it. That's what you got to do. I mean, I've, with my business, I'd say there's probably been more failures and successes in yeah. terms of experimentation. But, you know, make them educated gambles. You know, yeah. don't throw your entire deck into the wind, but little, little chances. Put your foot in as many ponds as you can because you never know which one's got the fish. Yeah, I absolutely love that. All right, Ben, thank you so much for uh, offering me the time. And obviously, once again, to your what I call your home, I think it's, it's pretty fantastic. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again. No, you're always welcome here. All right, thanks, buddy. Take care. Ben did such a beautiful job articulating the level of sacrifice and dedication needed to not only be successful, but also to weather the storm. This conversation definitely made me think about my personal relationship with discomfort and redefining my relationship with discomfort and failure. Um, understanding now that it's paramount to embrace those things in order to reach any level of true success. It also made me go back to me thinking about some of my passion projects and asking the question, how badly do I want this? Do I want this bad enough? I think those are important questions. You know, so I guess the call to action today is also ask yourself those questions, right? Um, number one, what is your personal relationship with discomfort? Are you constantly gravitating towards feeling comfortable, towards finding balance? You know, those two things might not actually be conducive to you being ultimately successful in the long run. 
The other thing that I think everybody should ask is, how badly do you want this, and do you want it bad enough to be consistently giving your best? Think about those things deeply, write them down, journal them, um, come back to them, and revisit that often, because I think those will be elements that will truly help you get over the hump. So enjoy your week, everybody, and thank you once again for listening.